The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WHIO and Cox Media Group. This hour is sponsored by There is a Season. Welcome to There is a Season, the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf, And I'm Gloria Shanahan. Thanks for joining us once again. Each episode of There is a Season, we endeavor to bring you a topic that is relevant to your experience and the way you hope to live this life, no matter what season you may find yourself in. To be sure, these topics will affect different people differently. But no matter your season, as Gloria suggested, we think you'll find something to think about and maybe share with your family and friends this week. We'd love your feedback on this in any episode of our show, so please contact us at Bob and Gloria at thereisaseasonshow.com. So over the years, we've covered a lot of topics within our health and wellness category, including things like high blood pressure, diabetes, arthritis, dental implants, vision issues, and more. Yes, and we know that virtually everyone and every family eventually deals with some form of health complication from time to time, from the things you mentioned, Bob, to other conditions like heart health, brain injuries, anxiety, depression, and dementia, particularly from Alzheimer's disease. Now, some of these maladies come on suddenly, right? And some are congenital. They pass down through the generations and families. Some of them are chronic, Uh, and we've tried to do our best over the years identifying causes and treatment options, if there are any, and in some cases, new pathways for better health. Now, we're not physicians, either of us, but we can help point you to a few things along the way that can better your health or the health of a loved one, and that's our hope. That's what we aim to do here through the program when we cover these health and wellness topics. Life is challenging enough with all the other things we encounter beyond the condition of our health, but we've always maintained, and I think you'd agree, that you get to a point where so much else is compromised if you can't maintain good health. One way many of us live with some sort of compromise to our health is what doctors have sometimes called one of the silent killers, and that is stress. And today we're going to revisit the topic of stress but also discuss its connection to depression and anxiety, how we can better manage stress amidst COVID-19, and what, in a lot of ways, has been a very stressful year for the entire country, and also some potential long-term effects of COVID-related stress on our kids' future health and development. Which is something that uh, a lot of us had in the back of our minds, somewhat related to the whole change in schooling that went on. You know, how was that affecting kids? But when you think about what could be happening to their, their physical health or maybe their emotional health, that's an even bigger issue than you know, where they happen to be academically. Well, yeah, just even the, the scene of people wearing masks or maybe the um, anxiety in the home about you know, worrying about getting sick or taking care of grandma and grandpa, it all does have an effect. It's hard. We don't have a study of this, and and this would be a great thing if if you're uh, one of our older listeners who wants to write in and share some of this. But you think about past things that we had, 
that, that seemed kind of global in their nature when we had the Red Scare in the 50s or people were wearing, you know, gas masks or something like that when they were worried about the bomb. Uh, you know, what, what were some of the other things that happened over the course of the history in the United States where people were terrified? Polio was one that we mentioned. Yeah. Uh, and we have found in asking some people that some folks never encountered it and other people it was a big worry. Yeah. And even like tuberculosis, you know, it's another one of those silent kind of in the air things that, you know, people do worry about. And kids absorb some of that stuff and they want to say, yeah, everything's okay. But they, they're, they're, they're aware thinking, of that, even know? when we don't realize they're thinking about yeah. it and, and potentially worried. And what's the impact of that long term? Right. So let's start a little bit wider here. What are some of the things that stress does to us? Well, according to the American Psychological Association, there are a number of uh, key maladies, and we're gonna dig into some of these uh, a little deeper in the show in just a moment here, but what's one of the first things that people Well, the, the first with? thing that really is um, a byproduct of stress is depression. The Anxiety and Depression Association of America, the ADAA, defines depression as an illness in which an individual experiences a persistent and severe low mood. Research suggests a link between high levels of stress and the onset of depression. One study of over 800 women investigated the link between different types of stress and major depression. Now, during the study, the researchers found that both chronic and acute stress events contributed to a greater incidence of depression in women. There was another observational study that examined stress levels of the working age population. The participants' overall stress levels and symptoms were measured. Depression was more common in people who reported higher levels of stress. So that's just one thing, depression. And I think a lot of people would probably agree with that if they've been stressed for a long period of time. Uh, certainly depression's been a big issue here as we've talked about COVID, and we'll come back to that in a moment. Uh, but anybody who's had to deal with that for a long time, I think goes into a certain amount of depression. Right, and there's obviously, you know, uh, situational depression, and then there's the development sometimes from long-term stress of true clinical depression, which is chronic. Right, right. And I know people have lived with that sometimes for decades and maybe their, their entire life. Now, anxiety is a second thing, uh, and that's a little bit different than depression, as we've talked on here uh, frequently with uh, Dr. Steve Liptak. Um, it's characterized more by feelings of uh, overwhelming dread. You know, something is going to happen. Something bad is going to happen. The other shoe is going to drop. And, and this is more than just feeling sad. But like depression, studies have suggested that stress may be linked to anxiety and anxiety disorders. Researchers investigated the effects of stress levels at home and work on anxiety and depression levels, according to one study. And they found that people who experienced high levels of work stress were more likely to have higher symptoms of anxiety and depression. So it's, it's almost like they're kind of battle weary when they leave the, the work front and they go home and over time, this starts to build up. And that's the second thing. So we've got depression and anxiety again, which we've talked about a lot here on There is a Season. What's the third thing? The third thing is irritability. So irritability and anger can become common traits in people who are stressed. In another study, higher levels of anger were associated with both mental stress and the possibility of a stress-related heart attack. Another study investigated the relationship between anger, depression, and stress levels in caretakers. The researchers found that an association between care-related chronic stress and anger levels. I don't know anybody who ever gets irritated. Everything is just peaceful and smooth in life. 
No, that's just obviously, that's a lie. Just stress sitting, lead to lying? Yeah, it could, I suppose, right? <laughs> I'm not going to say anything right now because, you know, I don't want to pick on, on my host. Depression, anxiety, irritability. <laughs> it's all cheery stuff. Well, here's one that really, really make you happy. Another thing that stress uh, can contribute to is low sex drive. In some people, too much stress can have a negative impact on sex drive and the desire to be intimate. One study published in 2014 found that chronic stress levels had a negative impact on sexual arousal. The research suggested that both high levels of cortisol and a higher chance of being distracted led to lower levels of arousal. Much of the research surrounding stress and low libido involves women, but it can certainly affect men too. According to one animal study, Stress was shown uh, that during adolescence, it affected sexual ap appetite and so forth of the animals being studied. Now, that's animals. And hamsters, nonetheless. And, yes. But we're of so course, much it, like it, hamsters. It, we're like hamsters on a wheel, just I... constantly on a wheel. <laughs> so you're starting to see now how stress starts to impact life in, in a lot of different areas. Mm -hmm. And we've already talked about a handful of them. What else can it affect? Another one really serious here is uh, memory and concentration problems. So, you know, if you find yourself having some trouble with concentration and memory, stress could, you know, be part of the problem. Another animal study found that adolescent rats exposed to acute stress experienced more memory performance issues than their non-stressed counterparts. Another review in investigated the stress response pathways in the brain and their effect on long-term memory. Researchers found that certain hormones following a stressful or traumatic event can have the ability to impair your memory. So we've got depression, anxiety, irritability, low sex drive, memory, and concentration problems. You can't say that stress doesn't That's, affect things. Yeah. Uh, another thing here, and this can become a bad, uh, a, a bad issue for a lot of people, and that's compulsive behavior. There's long been a link between stress and addictive behaviors. Uh, one paper expanded on this idea that stress-related changes in the brain may play a role in the development of addiction. According to researchers, chronic stress can change the physical nature of the brain to promote habit and addiction forming behaviors, which is obviously really bad in a, in a lot of different levels uh, if people continue to li live under that kind of stress. One study also found that in certain people, genetic variations can play a further role in the stress response and vulnerability towards addiction. So we sometimes wondered why some people are perhaps more prone to addictive behavior than others. And certainly some of that can be baked into our genetic, you know, ability right. and our susceptibility, but it can also be a, a response to stress. Yeah, and, and in both, you know, both and because if you already have the genetic predisposition and then you're confronted with a lot of stress, that may be the beginning of Partic some type yeah. of addictive behavior as well. Right. right, right. What's the seventh thing? Well, mood swings. So many emotional effects of stress can leave you feeling like you're experiencing mood swings. A study from 2014 examined the role of various types of stress on physiology, mood, and cognition. Now, the research showed that both social and physical stressors can have a big impact on your well, emotional well-being and mood. With the many other emotional signs of stress, it surely is easy to see just how big of an influence stress can have on your overall mood. I mean, think about all the other things we just talked about that happen under stress, 
Well, I'd be in a bad mood too if I was dealing with all those other right, symptoms, right? right? Those five or six so of things. course, mood swings fall into it, right? You know, it, it, it's interesting. A lot of people hear these stress things and they kind of say, "Oh, well, there's not much you can do about that. We'll just we'll just kind of write that off." But you will find that some people have sort of reached their their mark where they say enough's enough and I can't deal with that kind of stress anymore and they finally either give up a career or they make some major change. Now you can't always get out of the stresses that, that you're involved in. We've talked about caregiver stress. Uh, it's difficult to just walk away from somebody you're caregiving for. But I do remember um, years ago when you were getting your cancer treatment that one of the things your oncologist shared with you was that he thought one of the big impacts or big reasons for the uptick in cancer was stress related and the more research that can be done to understand what's happening perhaps even at a cellular level the better off i think we're going to be right you know i mean that was a kind of an insight he shared right right i mean there's there's just so many things in our lives that we don't manage well and i think that um certain people have a way like you said some people find a way to manage their stress in different ways and we're going, to, we're going to talk about that. We're going to drill in on that a little bit more here when we come back. We're also going to talk specifically about the link between stress and depression. A little bit later on, we're going to talk about the long-term effect on kids. And also, how does this whole COVID-19 thing, you know, what has that done to us individually and as a society uh, in terms of stress? Uh, I think a lot of people would agree it has been a stressful year. And we're going to talk about that more when we return. We'll be back with more right after this. You are listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. Thank you for being with us again today. We're discussing stress and its impact on all sorts of health issues in our society, certainly in ourselves. We talked about a bunch here at the top, the top anxiety, uh, low sex drive, irritability, all kinds of other things. Uh, and I think if people really were honest with themselves, they'd realize stress is a part of their overall health condition. And, and it, it can be good for you, Bob. Stress can. It can be in some it, ways. And we're going to talk a little bit about stress and depression, but let's first talk about how it is good for right. us. Right. So stress is good for you. It keeps you alert, motivated, and primed to respond to danger, right? As anyone who has faced a work deadline or competed in a sport knows that stress mobilizes the body to respond, improving performance. Sometimes like a teenage you know, child, you want them to have a little more stress in their life to get moving. It's right? good for people to feel some stress. To be yes. un I call it to be under the gun, right? Is that a term? Yes. Yeah. Yet we all recognize, I think we all know that too much stress or chronic stress may lead to major depression chronic depression in susceptible people, right? Right. So like email and email spam, a little stress is good, but too much is bad. And then you'll need to shut down and reboot, <laughs> says Esther Sternberg, a doctor who is a leading stress research and the chief of neuroendocrine immunology and behavior at the National Institute of Mental Health. Even positive events. Um, think about people we know uh, who, who have someone getting married, right? Or beginning a new job. A marriage is always one of those stressful things, right? D depending the actual on, event. 
Yes. The whole organizing all of that, uh, the, the wedding activity and all of that kind of yeah. drive people nuts, right. you know, with, with the stress. Um, sometimes beginning a new job. There's some list out there, and I forget where it is, about all the top five or ten most stressful things. Right. Uh, some people don't like to get up in front of a, a group and speak. They find that extraordinarily stressful. I did. I just heard a study that two of the most stressful events or worrisome events, are you ready for this? Public speaking and death. Worrying about death. Worrying about death. I was yeah, say and de public speaking. Itself, Those you know. are the two scariest things they say. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, about 10% of people, though, can suffer depression as a result of a stressful event. Here's the connection. Stress, whether chronic, such as taking care of a parent with Alzheimer's, or something more focused and acute, such as losing a job or the death of a loved one, can lead to major depression in susceptible people. Sustained or chronic stress, in particular, leads to elevated hormones, such as cortisol, the stress hormone, and reduced serotonin and other neurotransmitters in the brain, including dopamine, which has been linked to depression. When these chemical systems work normally, they regulate that biological process and all processes, such as sleep, appetite, energy, sex drive, and they permit expression of normal moods and emotions. Now, when that re stress response fails to shut off and reset after a difficult situation has passed, it can lead to depression in susceptible people. No one in life can escape all, you know, event-related stresses. I mean, just think about it. If, if you're living a life of any kind, you're going to experience things like the death of a loved one, maybe a job loss, divorce, uh, natural disasters. We had those terrible tornadoes, right? Even what we're going through right now with right, COVID. COVID. Right, uh, Loss of uh, investments or savings or whatever, a business loss. Uh, some of these acute stressors can lead to chronic stress if a job uh, search is prolonged or if you have relational problems ongoing or any kind of health issue. Right, right. So any type of loss is a major risk factor for depression and grieving is considered normal, healthy, and a good response to loss. But if it goes on for too long, it can trigger serious depression. A serious illness, including depression itself, is considered also a chronic stressor. Well, we're going to talk more about stress, particularly as it relates to what's happened this year with COVID-19 and what effect long-term it might be having on our children. All of that more when we return. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. This is WHIO's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, this is Rush Limbaugh. This is my home in the Miami Valley. Dayton is our number one priority. You know that. And as news breaks, we'll break in anytime. 1290-957-WHIO. Welcome back to There is a Season, the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf. And I'm Gloria Shanahan. We've been talking today about stress and its link to various things that happen to us physically, emotionally, uh, particularly with depression. And we're going to switch gears a little bit uh, in this next section. Yeah, we're going to turn our attention now to the so-called elephant in the room, recognizing that this year has presented enormous challenges for us as a nation because of a societal unrest and what preceded the unrest, which of course is the COVID-19 pandemic. I think nearly everyone would agree 
that this is one of those head-spinning national health problems that's upended much of our lives and led not only to ongoing fear and anxiety about the disease itself, but also a lot of disagreement with what our approach should be, both personally and as a society, especially with people going back to school. A lot of people are wondering what's next. And we've talked at some length about these latter issues in our society and our policies and so forth, including our relationship as citizens to our leaders and their authority. But for a lot of us, those issues are very much beyond our control. We're kind of just waiting and seeing. I think people would like to know what they could do to help manage stress living in this gray area during the unknown until either a vaccine or some other approach becomes available or until we have a better sense of the long-term consequences of COVID-19. So folks who studied this liken it somewhat toward uh, something we've heard about more within military circles, and that is PTSD. Right, which can affect anybody going through any stressful situation long term. Yes, right. and there's obviously different levels of all of that. And when they when the people talk about uh, managing stress associated with COVID specifically, certainly there's a lot we've already heard about about the day to day. You got to wash your hands, right? And you gotta uh, watch how you cough and you sneeze, and you gotta make sure you clean up after yourselves, and you can mask and, and doing all of, all of those basic physical things, right? Right. And underneath all of that is the continual stress of learning about jobs and you know the economy and you know there's all that aside from staying healthy. We we have looked for ways uh, to support each other, uh, to stay close to family, friends, mentors, clergy and others who are sharing in this uh, similar uh, shared uh, malady, whatever we wanna call it. Uh, and it's created uh, the need for us to be flexible, to learn new ways of reaching out. We've talked a lot on our show about how to care for older folks, right? If, especially if somebody's living in a continuing care community and we are restricted from physically seeing those people. We're not in a one-to-one -one care relationship with them anymore. And, and sometimes you can't even just go see them. You can't even just touch them because things have changed so much. Yeah, you have to be kind of creative, even though you're limited in how you can uh, stay connected with people. So, you know, we're fortunate that we have, you know, text messaging, video calls, Zoom, things like that. Right. But we do have to be creative and we have to be really flexible through all of this. And experts say that there are some other things we need to think about with regard to COVID-19 related stress. And realize, you know, here's one of the first ones, realize that it's understandable to feel anxious and worried about what may happen, especially when many aspects of life are being affected, right? Right, and, and, and a way that you know, we can be less anxious is to maybe don't watch the news as frequently, reduce all that exposure to the stressor, you know what I mean? Particularly prior to sleeping, because I've, I've heard of a lot of people having issues with sleep right now, and anxiety keeps us awake. And sometimes it's the last thing we do at night. We check the phone and check the news. Sometimes it's the first thing we do in the morning because we check the news. And, and I've had that sense lately of just thinking, gosh, I, if I need my, my bad news vitamin, I just pop open, right. open yeah. up the app and right. I, I've started my day feeling yeah. already a My days wounded. are much better if I don't start with the news. And my eves are much better if I don't end with the news these days, right? Yeah. And they, they often recommend here, experts, that you try to balance a lot of this negative stuff. Don't view the negative news, first of all, as something that you can control or as the only story in your life. There are other things that go on, other things you can do that balance out, that's, that use up some of the minutes in a day. Right. You know, exercise is really good. Um, practice yoga, meditation. Music can be very relaxing. 
Um, do anything that keeps your mind occupied. I mean, we all know that we probably, not everyone, but most of us have things in our house that need tended to that because in other life, you know, minutes, we've been too busy to care for. You know, clean out a closet. Keep your mind occupied. Yeah, and take away certain vague anxiety. So before we talked about, you know, you masking and washing your hands and all of that kind of thing. But experts also talk about making sure you've got enough water and food, making sure that your right. medicines are up to date, that you've got medical equipment prepared. Um, you've got plenty of soap and water and alcohol-based hand cleanser. All of those things are things that are easy enough to check off. So that you have less anxiety. And it, put them this, away and don't worry about it. Right. Them and then, then you know, well, I'm kind of set for whatever I can do. I've done that. Right. Right? Now, the, the other thing that people uh, want to counsel in these times is to look for ways to um, improve your sense of control, your sense of control. You may not have actual <laughs> control over events and your ability to endure. What right. are some things you can do there? Well, we all need to accept circumstances that cannot be changed and focus on what you can alter. It reminds me of that God, the serenity prayer, mm -hmm, God right. grant me the, you know, whatever it is. Um, so, you know, modify your definition too of what a good day is. You know, meet the current reality of the situation, problem solve and set achievable goals within the new circumstances in your life. What are some other things, Bob? One thing I'd say is to evaluate the absolute risk of contracting COVID-19. There's a lot of, I've said this and I've said this for months now, there's a lot of, well, it could, you could, you could. And, and nobody wants to take away the mathematical possibility completely because any of us could, I suppose, get COVID-19. But really look at your own situation and say, is it likely because I'm digesting all this news from New York or Chicago or Detroit or New Orleans or wherever it happens to be, is it likely that I'm going to encounter this? Is it likely because of my lifestyle or where I work? If you're taking reasonable steps and you don't know for sure whether it's going to happen or not, don't assume that the possible is the probable. Right, especially if you're not being reckless. If you're taking some of the necessary you know, preventative steps that we've mentioned, washing your hands, all that stuff. I, don't worry about that, right? Because right? we all have to live life to a certain extent. We're not all going to go underground and do nothing. Experts also recommend avoiding impulsive behavior. Try to stay organized. Increase positive coping behaviors. You may have some things you've done in the past. Singing, dancing, breathing exercises. You mentioned yoga, right? Right, right. Um, you know, try changing your mental attitude from this is a terrible time to this is a terrible time, but I can get through this. Right. I mean, right. that is something you can tell yourself daily. Um, and rather than getting discouraged on what you can't do, focus on what you can accomplish or control in your life. If you need to seek out mentoring or maybe a good friend, you know, you can talk back and forth about how you're feeling. And that might help you even improve your ability to make decisions. You know, have a sounding board. Right. We can all talk on the phone and, you know. Now, and there's a lot more we can there share is. there. And we'd love your ideas, too. So write to us at Bob and Gloria at thereisaseasonshow.com. But let's shift gears here a little bit now and talk about those with whom uh, we live and those for whom we are responsible who may not have the ability necessarily to manage all of this as much as we were just saying now through this list of activities you can do. There is a concern that a lot of children may be suffering long term. We've talked about the educational impact of COVID-19, but what perhaps are some of the longer term biological 
and emotional effects. Well, long-term adverse effects on the health and well-being of these children and adolescents, despite the fact that they don't usually, you know, they're not directly affected by the disease physically, usually, right? So as researchers in psychology, genetics, and developmental biology, um, they've investigated all this, the, the biological mechanisms by which social factors, quote unquote, get under the skin to influence child health and development. And they're concerned because some of the unintended consequences of the public health response to this pandemic are indeed increased stressors for children and adolescents. These stressors include things like reduced family income, food insecurity, parental stress, and unfortunately child abuse. These can become biologically embedded and negatively impact children's developing brains, immune systems, and the ability to thrive. While some of these effects are immediate, they are saying that many will surface decades from now. Wow. Yeah, now, that's serious and stuff. And of course, the jury's out. We won't know this for sure. And that's why we alluded earlier on to things that people may have had as stressors when they were younger in previous generations. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times things don't always show up. Some of the studies that they have done uh, have included hundreds of thousands of, of children. And they've asked some of these questions. Are the children and adolescents facing stressors without access to some stabilizing routine? Even school, when you think about it, was a stabilizing routine for a lot of kids because it, it gave, supports all their development, right? It gave, Social, and it gave them a place physical, to be during the day, right? Even meals for some children. Right. Right. And, right. and discipline and, and, and some quiet and order. Uh, so as, as summer came on and we had cancellations and restrictions of young people's sports and summer camps and all of that other stuff that they would normally do, uh, adolescents... Uh, were left sometimes in the open. They had they had nothing to put their time and energy into. Right, and they, and they need this peer interaction, right, for development and all this social deprivation and reduced opportunities for social learning are likely they are saying to have far-reaching consequences. Now, stressors stemming from the pandemic may become scientists believe biologically imprinted in children per se, and leave a lasting mark on child and adult health and well-being. There are several biological pathways that can be modulated by early life experience, but epigenetics, a process that turns genes on or off, is particularly well studied. Epigenic, epigenetic changes are associated with early experiences and can last into adulthood. They may be linked to stress, inflammation, and chronic health conditions. It's tragic to think about this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And and it's hard while it's because you're dealing with it almost symptomatically. You're coming at it backwards by looking at a lot of these uh, factors that went on and a lot of the things that people manifest uh, in the course of their adolescence and as they mm -hmm. continue to grow. Right. So uh, understanding the true nature of an adversity early on uh, on people's mental, social and physical health is a difficult thing. But we're going to talk a little bit more about that when we come back as we wrap up, talk about the long-term effects of COVID-19 on our children when we continue. You are listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. 
We've got some great shows coming your way here in the next several weeks and months. How are things different for your kids or your grandkids compared to when you were young? What has changed for the better or for the worse? And there are a lot of things that could go into that show. Yeah. Uh, also, what else? Another show that we're preparing is, are you ready if your child's plan for school changes suddenly? You know, once they've went back, are you ready if that plan all of a sudden just changes right. and collapses? Hard enough to even get the plan down on paper and have everybody get ready. But, but as parents, change. are you ready? That's we're also right. going to talk about the gifts that are found within the stress of long-term caregiving. And there are some. And we'll come back to that yeah. uh, that topic in a little bit. We've been talking today about stress, and uh, in our last segment, we talked about the uh, the effect it might have on kids long-term. And it, as we said, the jury is out on knowing all of the biological and emotional stressors and, and what will happen 5, 10, 15 years from now. Yeah, and it's not too late to prevent children and adolescents growing up in this pandemic from becoming unintended, what I would call casualties. We are facing the possibility of seismic shifts in population health and well-being if we don't act. The good news is that there are specific and evidence-based actions that we can all take. The presence of warm and supportive adults is obviously key. Mm -hmm. We've recognized this, uh, particularly even for those kids who, who maybe are out of school but go home to situations that aren't warm and supportive adults. The absence of that can have a big impact. Close bonds between parents and children are protective, obviously, against the harmful long-term effects of things like financial insecurity. Uh, and this affects the immune system. It's not just you know saying, hey, everything's gonna be okay. The studies that they're uh, showing have said that long-term there's a positive biological effect on kids if they know they have that security and relationship. Right, so if you're a grandparent, a teacher, a coach, or any other type of important adult in your close-knit community, if you're in the lives of any children, try to offer inspiring examples of how to creatively connect and support these children digitally and in physically but not socially distanced ways. Try, I mean, try to do those things. You know what right. I mean? If you can't do this, the other. We're all going to be in this for a little while longer and maybe longer than that. We don't know, obviously. Uh, there's, the news changes all the time. We all are hoping for a vaccine. We're hoping for some kind of protocol that may make this at some point a, a distant memory. In the meantime, we've got to work on the bonds. We've got to work on being able to stay connected with each other. And that's obviously critically important right, when it right. comes to kids. Right, we all tired, but we've got to keep on. Where do people need to go to the website to see us? You can uh, go to our website at Bob and Gloria at thereisaseasonshow.com. You can write to us there too through the handy in touch contact form or by an email. Right. Remember, dear friends, seek grace in every step and never regret growing older. It is a privilege denied to many. We're here for each other and we're here for you. For my dear friend and co-host Gloria Shanahan, our terrific producers and everyone who makes the show possible, thanks again for your time, attention, and interest to what we do here. We'll see you again soon. You've been listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Dayton's News and Talk. Have a blessed week. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. WHIO Dayton, WHIO FM, Pleasant Hill, a Cox Media Group station from the Bushers Home Improvement Studios. Improve the value of your home with a sunroom from Bushers.